Welcome to the Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. For more information on how CertainPath can put your contracting company on a certain path to success, visit our website, www.mycertainpath.com. I hope you enjoyed today's show and take away a nugget or two. Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show today. Very excited to have you. Uh, for those who've not met you or talked to you before, could you share with everyone your name, uh, what you do with Certain Path, and kind of what you do uh, on a day-to-day basis to help? Sure. Uh, my name is Coach Aaron. Uh, I'm one of the business coaches here at Certain Path. I'm also a facilitator. Uh, I train here in our home headquarters in Addison, Texas, and I also train on site in members' business, mostly electrical, but I do coach all the trades. Electrical is where my heart's at, though, because I'm a master electrician from oof, 30 years ago. Don't tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I've been with certain path businesses on and off for almost 18 years. So I love the process. It absolutely changed my life and who I became. So I like to. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to dig into it a little bit. Yeah. So how did you first get swerve into electrical? Kind of share with everyone. <laughs> well, um, I was in high school, about 16 years old. I wasn't doing the greatest. I was kind of in a rough situation. I always say I was headed down one of two paths. Uh, one was going to jail and one was the graveyard. I just wasn't doing the right things. And uh, my mom said, well, if you get a trade and a GED, you'd probably be able to take care of your family someday. And uh, I really believed that. So I became an apprentice electrician when I was 16 and just yeah. fell in love with the trade. And it's always provided for my family ever since. So yeah. uh, journeyman by 21, master by 25, had my little business for a while. And then one day I got a phone call from one of our still current members almost 19 years ago that noticed I had a business and I was advertising to HVAC company doing menu pricing. I had to hook up their AC and it is what they wanted. And I knew him from before. And then he just said, you should come, you know, join us. We could use your help. Come help us change lives. And I took that message seriously. So that's why I'm here. Yeah. I was going to say back then, you guys were one of the early adapters with the electrical side. We launched the electrical side of certain path in SGI, I think it was 2000 or eight years ago, fly by, but you guys did really well with straightforward pricing and, and, you know, just learning how to deliver a high quality service. What do you remember from those days? Oh my gosh. I remember, I remember the first time I walked into a facility and they were, they were definitely early adopters. Uh, yeah. I went in there to meet my friends to come look at his electrical heating and air plumbing business. And when, when I walked in, I saw black pants and white shirts with like patches and flags. And I, I said to him, wait a minute, I'm looking for electricians. Are you guys uh, missionaries or paramedics? You know, they just, <laughs> they look so different, so clean cut, so professional. And it immediately got my, and uh, I said, I want to be part of this. It's pretty great. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, you you guys certainly were. And you, so you, you lived and breathed it for sure. You're not just uh, coming in and learning it, training other people. It's been a big part of who you are. Um, and that's what I want to talk about because you, like you mentioned, uh, you work with the electricians today, delivering electricians advanced, which people just love. And you, you do it you know, in Dallas, you do it all over the country. Let's see, yeah, last week, kind of share with everyone what your schedule looked like last week so they get an idea of what you do. Yeah, as well, but then we might as well tell them the week before that, too. The, yeah, let's do it. The week before that, I, I travel around the country meeting at different member locations. I love coming into our members' businesses and meeting their people and training them inside the facility because 
Oh, it just takes me back to that that place of being in the business. I just love it. And I, I go out there and I train the electrician's advanced class. I also have a coaching essential class that I've been building out and testing. It's really awesome. But two weeks ago, let's see, I was at uh, Canon Electric. Am I allowed to say names on this program? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. We have to protect the innocent. <laughs> so, uh, I was with Canon Electric out in Seattle. That was awesome. They brought us out for a couple of days. And then I immediately came home and then flew out to Ohio and got to meet with Streb Electric. There are a bunch of really nice people there as well. And uh, we did a three-day course there. Right that night, I flew home. And the very next morning, I did two days of electricians advanced here in our, uh, our corporate headquarters in Addison, Texas. And all that traveling and all those people, you would think wear me out, but it actually energizes because the the passion, the energy, the moments that they have that they use. It, it, I'm worn out afterwards, but I just really get excited sure. being with them. Yeah. I tell people that all the time when I go to Expo or I go to the office and get to talk to people, especially people you develop relationships with, see how well they're doing and how motivated they are. It's just, you're right. Afterwards, your body kind of gives out, but boy, uh, spiritually and Mentally and emotionally, they breathe life into you. It's pretty cool. Um, hey, when you do those trainings, how much of that is them kind of saying, hey, we need work on this and that? Or how much of it is is you delivering kind of a set training? Uh, how, how much does that fluctuate for you? Uh, in the t in the days that we teach at our headquarters here, it's very much out of, out of the book because we know what works. And we have, you know, members with different skill sets and different backgrounds from all over the country. We had 50, I don't know, 53 people here at the office the last, you know, couple of days of last week. And so we keep it very uh, straightforward with what everybody needs because they might be on different levels. So we have to be consistent, right? When we come out to your location, though, it, we're able to customize it, differentiate it, if you will. So I typically do a bit of a consulting interview before I go out. And how can I tailor the message? We don't build a new course, but how, how can I tailor the message where they're currently at with the curriculum? And they get a really fantastic experience because it's personal and they have their team there to, they're used to working with. So the culture exists. Uh, other than that, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was going to say a lot of people, like we, we get plenty of watchers, listeners that are not members. They're just looking for tidbits of information, but the training that you do, it's not like, you know, you're sitting in a classroom in high school for eight hours. You get them moving around, you get them talking, right? Like it's very interactive. It's built people that are used to working with hands maybe kind of talk about your how you, what the process is oh yeah absolutely it's it it is not like sitting in the classroom that's for sure uh, I, I i definitely get them up on their feet we do have some theory some application some practice a lot of self-reflection it's tailored very well to to have cycles and rhythms and we know they're not used to just sitting around all the time uh, we get them up and there's this buzz phrase that uh, all of my clients and students are saying it's starting to pop up all across the country where they just, they, after a skill practice, they just shout, it's easy and I like it. And it's spreading all over the country. So it's very energetic. It's very loud. Coach Aaron has a whistle now. So I have to blow my whistle because they're so loud. They're having so much fun. And I always hate to stop the engagement, but a member on site brought me a whistle one day at break time. He said, you are going to lose your voice. So it works really good. And it's almost like we program them before the end of the two days. And we really do because yeah. it's a huge mission of mine to pour into them personally. They, they get a, they get some a big dose of personal development at my class because I believe we can change people. And yeah, we're going to fix a bunch of stuff. But what, what I learned through the Certain Path organization about becoming a better person, communicating, and 
seeing value in myself that I, I never saw before, if you will. Um, I've just really, it's important to me to pour that into them. So it's very inspirational. And they leave yeah. pretty excited with skills and a book that they can fall back on. Uh, I call their training guide the code book because mm. it's not like a class where you fill in a bunch of blanks, you know, hopefully see it again someday, throw it under your seat in your van. Uh, I call it a code book and I teach them how to go back and look up any skill they want, like asking questions, identifying people, closing objection doors, how to present anything at all they want to work on during the call. They can go look up and uh, th keep using it that way and growing. It was important for us to yeah. that. That's great. And I love that, you know, you said skill practice. We know what that means mm -hmm. in our side. People, <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. What is skill practice, right? It's not role play anymore. It's skill practice. Kind of talk about why you, you rebranded. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Just go out there and tell everybody uh, that Coach Aaron said skill practice, or that the Coach Aaron said role play is dead. <laughs> role play is dead <laughs> because uh, other than that one person in the room, nobody likes it, except the people that aren't doing it, poking fun at you if you are, right? It's very awkward. You get in the front of the room. They say it's harder in here, so it's easier out there. That's actually nonsense. You put all these one or two people in front of the room. They try to do too many things at once, and everybody else is either bored or making fun of them or giving them a hard time. That's not very effective. What, what I reference is skill practice. So we break people in groups of three. So there's a customer, a coach, and a technician in that little circle. They use the checklist or the, or the skill they're working on, and they have a certain amount of time to demonstrate that skill in micro pieces, little bite-sized chunks. So they get some repetitions, and it works really well because the tech practices, the customer helps them win. They're not trying to beat them down until they learn the skill, just help them win. And then the coach is paying attention, following along the same guide, and at the end gives two very, uh, very specific pieces of feedback. What did they do well, and what's something they could probably work on based on the checklist. And then as soon as everybody's had one turn, they sit down and they log, they do self-reflection and they log their progress so that they capture those things and they can see the growth over time. And what they don't realize until class is over is that they, the, the coach has been learning, one of the people that learns the most, the person in class who plays coach, because he's really, really watching along to give real good feedback. And I tell them, you know, coming to class, you're going to learn a bunch of skills about a sales process, how to run a call, how to win, take care of homeowners. But it's critical that they learn these, the art of skill practice because then they can go home and keep it going instead of hope they remember. Really awesome. And they love it. It's easy and they like it. <laughs> well, it's realistic. Like you're not, when you're presenting to a homeowner, you're not presenting in front of 30 people, you know, that are just looking, you know, it's. It's an intimate experience, which is what the training is like. Uh, and I also love that it's very self-reflective, that you're you're making people be introspective and think about what they're doing versus like, I'm just in front of everyone and I don't want to look like a fool. And that's your whole goal. This is actually, we're working to get better together. There's a good nugget for everyone out there that is looking to mm -hmm. change up their training a little bit. Break it up, right? Now, you got to be a, a, a member to get the uh, the checklist. Oh, they could, they need to join but yeah, I, uh, I want to dig in. I want to dig into your process a little bit. Give people a little bit of a taste, right? It's two day training. You give all this good stuff. So we covering what we're going to cover in forty minutes or less. You know, it's just a little taster. But I want to, you know, let people see what you kind of train and talk about. Uh, so, like, if you don't mind to walk through a, an electric call, kind of beginning to end, and, and kind of get an idea of what you do. Does that sound good to you? 
That sounded great. Support for this podcast comes from Pulse M and Customer Lobby. As a valued Certain Path member, you're well aware that the recipe for success lies in the relationships that you cultivate with your customers. We understand that nurturing these relationships can be a demanding task, especially when you're immersed in the day-to-day operations of running a business. It can even become draining. But fear not, PulseM and Customer Lobby are here to save the day. After seamlessly integrating PulseM's industry-leading reputation management capabilities with Customer Lobby's robust retention platform, you won't know how you lived without them before. Whether you're focused on gathering online reviews or orchestrating targeted and timely postcards, emails, and text messages, PulseM and Customer Lobby come together to make the process of creating value at every customer touchpoint effortless. We've played a key role in helping countless certain path members just like you not only snag business, but keep it for the long haul. If you're ready to build relationships that turn your customers into your biggest fans, ensuring that they come back time and time again, PulseM and Customer Lobby are the secret weapons you've been waiting for. Discover our platform's capabilities with a free demo at this link and start enhancing your customers' relationships today. Back in the day, you know, when you're well, training people or when you did it yourself, uh, when you're going to your call, how do you mentally prepare yourself? What What are certain things you do, either learn about the customer or how to just get yourself centered? Because say, maybe you had a rough call before where someone just wanted to beat you up because they had a rough call. So how do you get that right frame of mind? Well, let me just start with what do you do after that one customer beats you up? Because that's, yeah. that's something that people say, hey, Coach Aaron, what do I do when that customer beat me up? How do I get back in the game? How do I fix that mindset? So that's critical. The most important thing you can do to solve that is run the call the very best you can on process, trying to help the homeowner for real. If you're going through the sale and you're skipping stuff or you got your own agenda and you're not truly focused on that five-star experience and you think you can cut this off or not do that or add extra stuff to your program, and you don't get results, we tend to blame the customer or the market or something external. However, when you own, I'll share more about how we prep, but when you own your mindset and your commitment to the process and you truly do the best you can every call, I tell my team all the time, even if you get a no, you can walk out of there with your head held high. I did the best I could. Even if it's two or three hours before you get a no, that feels painful if you didn't do everything you could. But when you can, you can say, you know what, that was truly their decision. I educated them the best they could. They know the risks, they know the rewards, they chose not to move forward. I can feel okay with that, even though you wish you could have helped them, if that makes sense. Um, And then I focus on the process, not the outcome, right? If you do everything that you know is successful. I know, I don't know how many sports fans there are, but Nick Saban, who's won how many national titles, he always talks about process. I think that's interesting, right? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, jump in here anytime. I like the added the added context. It's it's valuable. I learn from you every time I talk to you, and we have a good time, so it's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the you, and you nailed one of the pieces in the prepare. Like we've been teaching for years. You know, mental end zone preparation. Imagine the win. Think about the scenario. Check the call notes. All this stuff. What's the customer? Those are essential skills, if you will, because when you come to my my program. Uh, Coach Aaron's going to show you how to think differently and work on a whole new level. So the the I put a lot of mindset framework into the prepare. Number one is I tell them, get what you came for. 
So I teach them to speak in, in the affirmative sense to, of themselves. I will get what I came for. What that means is whatever that customer needed when they called, whether it's an outlet, a fan, a charger, it makes no difference. The thing they called you for, I'm getting that. Because what I hated more than anything is driving to a home, collecting a service fee, and then leaving the client with their problem. I just refuse to do that. So how can I get what I came for? Critical. And then after that, I tell them, I will leave the home safer than I found it. Meaning anything I touch, of course, is going to be high level service. It's going to be fixed, right? But that's not the concept of leave it safer than you found it. The concept is in addition to getting what you came for, what is the most uh, important item on the safety evaluation that you notice? Now, this is assuming you're doing a safety evaluation on every call. And if you're not, if you're struggling, you got to join certain path. Or if you are, you need to get out of class because we teach you how to get one on every call. So if you noticed anything at all that needs safety concern, then you take that most critical thing all the way to the bottom option and you let them know why that's so important. And it usually saves lives and people and property. That's the kind of thing you're talking about. Um, so I will get what I came for and I will leave the home safer than I found it. Step three is I will provide a five-star experience. Not I will sell a bunch of stuff. I will provide a five-star experience. And when the customer feels that and you believe that and you live that, everything goes better, right? Even if they yeah. don't just, and that's part of how you can leave with your head held high. And the last part you already touched on is I will not be emotionally connected to the outcome. I will not be emotionally connected to the outcome. I will be committed to the process. And I remember I used to sit down and my hands would shake so bad when I'm sitting at the table trying to present options because I was so scared and I hated selling. It was like I was in the Jurassic Park and a T-Rex was coming because the water that they would give me was shaking on the table. I was so scared. Yeah. Once I realized I don't, it's not my job to get them to buy something. It's my job to inform them and educate them and, and truly help them with the thing, make it safer, provide a great experience. And if I commit to the process, the outcomes are always, always awesome. So that's how I get mentally prepared and teach my team to prepare for a call. There is one other nugget I'll just tease out there because I'm not going to give it to you on this channel. Good. Um, yeah. We teach some strategies. I developed three strategies for a call. It's like playing chess instead of checkers. Because as technicians and, and people, we were taught to one, two, three, four, five, six, run these steps in perfect sequence and you'll do great. And you will. But I uh, invented three strategies that you can also use to figure out your opening moves and how to move pieces around the board that is really incredible. And they love getting that in class. Yeah. That's part of the prepare step. Come to class. Got to come to class. There's so much value. Yeah. You no, know, everyone's like, well, it costs money. I'm out of the, tr I'm out of the truck for a few days. Uh, anyone that goes to class comes back and goes, I made so much more money. And customers have been so much happier. My reviews are up. They're all five stars. It's yes. the not a sacrifice. The, um, all right. So you, they're, yeah. They're, we give quick hits. We, we give quick hits. Practical skills you can use tomorrow and instantly make more money. We also teach some real high-level skills that you might actually take a dip in performance when you start trying because they, they're going to alter how you think and do things. But if you hang in there and tell, you're coming out the other side way on a whole new plane. And I, I get text messages all the time and Facebook shout outs where they tried the concepts and they did. They're getting huge success. Um, and they always say, I did this thing and it worked and it's easy and I like it. So if it does work, it works fast. Yeah. I'll let it. Yeah. 
We gotta get you some t-shirts. Throw out. Go. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy enough. T-shirts to and launch gun. We'll just start shooting t-shirts into the crowd. That's a great idea. Um, what are you doing? So, well, that's the prepare. And uh, did did you want more of the process or? Yeah, well, yeah. So the next step, obviously, you, you know, well, the process in terms of how you prepare or the process. No, like it, moving in with the customer and stuff. Next step. Yeah, in the- so, yeah that's where I was going to go. So, you know, you knock on the door and and they, they welcome you in. How do you kind of go about making trying to make that immediate connection? Because that's so bad, right? So what do you, what, what kind of tips or strategies might you That's powerful. Um, the connection, you, you nailed it, the connection. There's a lot of different techniques and tactics and skills and steps and charts and all that stuff you got to make a connection with the homeowner the number one way you can connect is to let them know you understand you know we we call it empathy it could be excitement it could be enthusiasm it could be concern the the emotion changes from call to call but you got to let them know i understand you and the problems you face as a home i get you because we often go in there trying to help them understand us. We're the greatest. We've got the reviews. I'm an expert, right? You got to have credibility too. But if they don't know how much you understand them, you're going to be in for an uphill battle. Uh, so I'm a huge believer in that. And once that connection's made and it needs to be maintained throughout the call, it's not a one and done deal. And if they run you to the problem, they say it all the time, coach. Um, then you need to build a, con- a connection later. Are you hearing me okay? Yeah, you just you broke up just for a split second. You, I, I, what you were saying is when they run you to the call, right? Because that happens all the time with, with technicians. Homers, come on, take a look at what's broken. And you go, whoa, okay. And then so go ahead and, and kind of take it from there. Yeah, you got to build the connection somewhere, even if they run you straight to the problem. It's easiest when you first enter the home. And right after you do, though, whether it's right when you enter the home or wherever, you got to set clear expectations. I drive that home so strongly. A lot of different ways to do it, but if they don't know what to expect from your service call process and how you treat them, they're going to be resisting all the time because they don't know. And they're going to be using prior bad experiences with other companies as a guide for what they think you're going to do. All right. So uh, that's great. You, you know, you outline what their the expectations are for the call, which is huge, right? Because you're right. And they're so used to either bad or honestly what they perceive as good experiences with other companies but they're just different they're not as good as what they're experienced with you so um but what i do want to ask about is we do talk about giving a credibility so people are comfortable having you in their home and i know a lot of our members they're they're employing younger technicians they're hiring them young and they're growing them up and they know what they're doing but still when you've got say 60 year old person and sees that someone old and Versus, you know, do you know what you're talking about, right? They're they're looking for the grizzled veterans. So, how do you tell uh, how do you tell younger uh, electricians to overcome this? Uh, how do you deliver a credibility statement in a, in a way that isn't bragging, right? But also, re- it, but it is reassuring for the customer. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a bit of an art to deliver that and maintain on the concern or the excitement of the connection. And I'll I'll tell you briefly a story of how that occurred. A guy, I did a service call right along with the long, well, he's a young guy, very clean cut shave, you know, fairly in the trick. After the call, he said, what, what, what I need to do? And I said, hey, you did really good. How does it feel to lie to the customer? And he looked at me like, well, what do you mean? I said, I think you know what I mean by your credibility. He was telling me I was like five or six years of experience and he has two. And I was like, why do you do that? 
He says, because I feel like they're going to think I'm not good enough or not. Don't have enough experience. Well, how do you feel about it? It didn't feel good. I said, imagine how you felt if you didn't have to worry about it. Well, I said, why don't you just talk about the hours or the number of homes you've seen? Why don't you just talk about the four or 8,000 hours of training you have? It's just, just like there. That sounds a lot bigger than five years. Why don't we use hours of training? Talk about the many years of experience in your team and how, you know, you're confident. And, and he immediately started doing that. So, no, that's great, though, that that, that story you shared with the electrician. Plus, he, he feels better about himself, right? He's got more self-confidence. Because I feel like going into those calls, he's trying to make up for something that he perceives as But when he thinks of it, man, I've got this many thousands of hours. You know, I am the expert, right? There's some mental switch there as well. Yeah, it did. It did switch mentally because he wasn't lying anymore. First of all, and then second of all, he's speaking about his strengths, and customers immediately were responding well to him. I do share with people: the faster they can learn something and put it into action, the faster they can get a positive result from that, their confidence shoots up. You know, versus I used to sit and wait and try and try and and I better not take that next step or. I don't know if I can write that kind of an option. I don't really know how yet. I don't, I don't feel like an expert. Maybe I'll just wait. You're never going to do it. And you're, you're going to suffer from confidence and lack of results. But if you That's just get that one idea that you say, I'm going to do it now, fast, even if you don't do it great, as soon as you get a result from it, your your confidence just shoots up. And it's a Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're going to go to training, go ahead and, and, and just try it, you know? It's okay. We learn from failure, too. You don't have to win on every call right away. You stumble a couple times, but, you know, if you went to the training and you believe it, you're you're going to get it right. I think that's a great, that's a great. Um, yeah, yeah. I want to skip forward just a, a little bit. Talk about, you know, troubleshooting calls. You know, try to explain to a customer they've already paid a service fee, right? And now you're explaining what this diagnostic I don't get what that is. How do you kind of train people to talk to customers in a way that they see the benefits of a diet? Wow. It feels like you've had a, a little fly in my training room. Like you're watching all these awesome things we're doing. <laughs> it changed the game for electricians. Uh, the diagnostic's critical. You know, unlike HVAC, the service fee does not cover diagnosing. And so our electricians struggle with that a little bit. And when they get that, it's a separate task with a separate charge because you're using some expertise and tools all throughout the circuit, the system. What I recommend they do, and I can't give it all to you because we do have oh, a do I do it all. That, that, that is really helpful, but I, I think if I was to package down really tight, when you get to that home and you know something's broken or not working, we already know that it's a repair and you're going to need to do a diagnosis. So in my opinion, when you first go look at the main thing they called that's not working, you're really trying to identify the, the correct level of diagnosis to offer. And if they start thinking like that, my visual evaluation that's part of my service fee is to truly identify with some questioning and some looking, what level of diagnostic do I actually need? Because you can't tear into the circuit and figure it out without it. I always say something I learned in the, from doctors that I heard, they say um, prognosis without diagnosis is malpractice. So giving someone a solution when you didn't even diagnose the issue is malpractice. How could you possibly know how to fix it? Um, you know, you go to the doctor because your arm hurts and then die of a heart attack because you didn't listen to your heart or check any of the vitals. And that was just a symptom of a much bigger problem. 
So I want people to understand that diagnosis is critical to a proper solution. And the best way to do that is just let the client know what you're doing and why and what it includes and what it doesn't. And then show them the proper level that you've identified. Ask them. All I need is your approval and I'll get started. And if they do, if they get that down properly with the right philosophy and the right tone, they're going to have a really high percentage of diagnostic. And then when I have a phrase, I like to say that if they're paying for the diagnostic, they, they're actually more involved. So I tell them, people who pay the diagnostic pay attention. Mm, yeah. That's a good analogy, the doctor, and I like that a lot. The, the arm and the heart, it makes, it makes total sense. And you don't want to leave someone incomplete, right? You want them to, to know what's going on with their home. What a, what a great. Love that. Absolutely. Uh, let's shift to safety inspections. You kind of set that up earlier in our, in our chat here. Uh, how do you explain to people or what do you train people to say about what a safety inspection is? Because I'll tell you, before working here, I've had electricians in my house and I, you know, they don't do a safety inspection, right? Most of them don't. Now, now it's changing, right? We've helped, kind of helped change, uh, change that in the industry. But kind of explain how you uh, coach people and how to talk about the benefits of them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it, it starts in their own mind. Like they got to understand the technician, the professional why it's so important. I think of it like a tool. It's just another tool in my tool belt. I got to deploy that tool to solve any problems whatsoever. And I, uh, one of the biggest challenges that our technicians have with the, with an inspection is it comes with the service fee. We know that they're going to get one anyway, no matter what. But for some reason, we talk about it like a secondary thing to the reason they call. Yeah, your outlet's here. I can fix that. Oh, by the way, we have this other safety inspection that's different than why I'm here. And that immediately sets the client up to think it's optional. It's this other thing. And if, again, if you haven't set crystal clear expectations for how you run a process to fix problems and deliver five-star service, the client can start to think, oh, you're going to use it, that to go around and find things to sell me. No, thank you. I'll pass. And then we get into a, but it's with your service fee and you really need it. And I want you to be safe. And it's, and all of that's true. But if we could just package it as part of our entire process, and the way I recommend you do that is stop calling it an inspection. Just call it an, a system evaluation. And when you're letting Betty know what you're going to do to improve the system, it includes a whole house evaluation because the system's interconnected, Betty. And this is just part of how we solve the issues. And clearly, you go to get your oil changed or your car worked on and they have a checklist that they check like a 33 point inspection on your car every time with red yellow and green marks to tell you what you may want to consider and i'm pretty sure the client lets them do it every single time because it's not a secondary optional thing it's just normal for doing business so i think if yeah. a technician understands that and stops trying to sell off of it the clients get engaged more it helps them be a better expert which they want to be and clearly, when that happens, the customers buy more. So it's a, it's an incredible tool that I will never skip. Yeah. When when I love the the evaluate. It's evaluation has a much, uh, um, there's a much better word inspection. There's no good word. There's nothing I, I never think of where inspection is used where people have a positive connotation. You know, I'm having a home inspector in my house. What's going to be wrong, right? Oh, I'm having inspection done in my car. What are they going to find, right? So you do have an inspection. 
on your electrical system immediately, my mind would go, oh, what, you know, they're looking for something. Evaluation is just the softer but stronger word. I love that. That's great. There. That works great. Change your language, change your mindset, and the customers are going to want it. You know, they'll engage with you in it, actually, which makes the options process so sweet. Support for this podcast comes from redesign.co. Feeling overwhelmed by the ever-changing world of digital marketing? Redesign.co is here to simplify it for you. We focus on what matters, getting your business seen online. With our expertise and effective digital marketing solutions like Google paid ads and local SEO, we help your services get the attention they deserve. No jargon, no over-the-top promises, just solid strategies to boost your online presence. Let's team up and give your business the online boost it needs. Reach out to partner with redesign.co and stand out to potential customers when and where they're looking. I want to talk just a little bit. I don't want to get into all of it and give the cookies away, but uh, just kind of what, how you talk to homeowners or how you teach other electricians to talk to homeowners as they kind of do the inspection. And maybe we can give just a few nuggets. Uh, the one I love to do, is obviously we get to the, the panel at some point. You know, you open it, maybe it's a panel that's 20-something years old hasn't been touched in forever um how do you kind of and you can maybe see some bad breakers in there that are you know how do you kind of talk to homeowners like maybe this is something we need to talk about later on in the call or what do you say right then and there to get them to think you know this is a potential issue in your home great question uh timing is everything on a service call the timing and the tone you use whether it's upbeat or it's this isn't good and do you go there for a ceiling fan install? And the minute you see a Federal Pacific panel, you just start salivating. You can't wait to tell them about it. You already start telling them all this stuff. They don't want that, you know, unless it's physically burning right now. Resist the temptation to start talking about the panel when you haven't even looked thoroughly at the main thing they called for because they, they, they see it as an upsell. Um, so timing is critical. And then when you are talking about it, just start with questions. And if you can figure out what the homeowner is interested in, cares about, how long they're going to keep the home, uh, what their plans are for the future, if they've ever known anything about their breaker box, do they even know what it does or why it's there? Uh, I teach to ask a lot of questions because the more you can understand the client, the more you can then talk about the panel in a way that fits into what they're already telling. And you can then give your information is it better to have it because you want to have it long-term? Is it important because you're going to sell it and there's going to be a concern? Is it a safety hazard that should probably be addressed right now? And then you can talk about that same panel different ways that fits the customer's needs and wants. <laughs> and that's a you know more of a thought-out process than just, hey, panel bad, buy panel. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, go ahead. I got another technique that I use that, uh, again, I, I like giving value away, Bob. You, you may have to cut out all this massive value I'm giving people. I, <laughs> I don't know what we're willing to let them have. Yeah. We're going to talk with people. I, I, I like to give some cool stuff because they'll, then they'll really want to come. That's right. That's right. Content uh, marketing. All about that. So what you can do is I do this all the time. Before I pull up panel, the haulers the usually nearby, I would say, now, Betty, I need you to step back and to the right. I want you to step back and to the right, unless there's something to the right. Betty, before I open this, I need you to step back and to the left. Because when I open this, that oftentimes there's surprises. 
and I never know what could be coming out of it. I need to make sure you're okay. Something kind of like that. I want to set the tempo and the tone for, whoa, look out, I'm an ex. And, and yeah. people often say, is that a scare tactic, Coach Aaron? I say, no, it's actually that true. <laughs> you don't want yeah. them there. Plus, I don't want them reaching in all of a sudden when I open it. There's a lot of reasons to do stuff. But when you do it, say it in a way that they understand you're an expert and there's risks. And then when I do take it off, I like to build a case. Like a, I, I look at myself like a crime scene investigator, you know? I take a picture of the wall, I take a picture of the panel, and then I take a real close picture of what I'm looking at. And I use a, a special colored highlighter. You got to come to class to see what color. But I use a special, very significant colored highlighter as a pointer. And I, I show them, even though there's a lot to see, I use that little pointer so their eyes go right where I want them to go so I can educate them about different things. And, you know, whether it's a panel, an outlet, or anything else, if you help a homeowner know two things, what is the risk of not fixing it? What is the risk of not making it better? There's always a risk. And what is the reward if you make it better? Because people will do more to escape risk than they will to enjoy pleasure. And you got to know both, though. So you got to be really good at explaining both. And that's a different thing than telling clients technical specifics like, the code says, the permit requires, the inspectors won, we have to for code. Nobody really cares about all that. They need to they don't be told what to do, by the way. Oh, yeah. Me, big time in the great country of Texas, I don't want to be told what I have to do, but it's right. tell me what, what could possibly happen if I don't make a good decision. That I'm going to listen to, and then I'm going to be my decision. And, and then if I know there's a reward, a real positive outcome, if I do something, then I have both of them. I can now choose what I want to do. And I'm not selling you. I'm just letting you know there's risks and rewards. And Betty, you do whatever you want to do. I'm the expert. My job's to teach you. Your job's to make a decision. Um, so when you, when you can explain stuff like that to a client, it doesn't matter if it's the panel or the outlet or the ceiling fan. It all works the same way. So you want to sell more panels, take your time, sell it when it's the right time and do it in a way that fits their goals and their needs. So they understand. I, I you, you, yeah, it's, I don't think it's a scare tactic at all. Is it a little theater? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little theater, but you know what? But you're educating bottom line. You're getting that person's attention. Otherwise, if I called you out to replace my ceiling and I'm like, why are we even here looking at this panel? Like, let's just move it along. And you all of a sudden you catch, you grab my attention and then. You don't scare me. You just talk. What you walk me through is an education, right? You're just telling me what's going on in there. Now, if it's bad, it's bad. But then it's like you said, it's my decision or ask you about what my own. I, I mean, I think it's just it's the right thing to, to grab, grab someone's attention. Go, hey, I know you've got a conference call in 20 minutes or whatever, right? You know, because we talked about what their their day looks like and all that stuff. So we know we have time with them. But I mean, that to me, I'd much rather, you know. You do that, get my attention. Then my family's ultimately safe, made the right decision. You educated me that my panel is a Federal Pacific panel. That thing is obviously significant uh, safety and health concerns. So uh, I think it's it's just the right thing. Uh, I got a whole list of repairs we could talk about, but I, I don't think we want to give it away. I You're giving too many good stuff, too much good stuff. We'll make people come to class to go through all of it. Um, what I do want to talk about a little bit, because it's still somewhat of a foreign concept in the electrical club member, right? Like people really still struggle club memberships in, in our, in the electrical industry. So, um, what do you recommend 
to, to clients about when to kind of plant the seed about clubs. How do you talk about them? How do you get people excited about the benefits? What's your, what's your. Well, um, first of all, like any other product or service you offer, if you don't believe in it yourself, you're going to have a really hard time mentioning it and talking about it in a way that anybody else will believe. So we've got to start there. If you're struggling with clubs or maybe you're training a team of people and company and you're struggling for them to talk about clubs, make sure you understand the triple win. Why is it good for Betty? Why should our clients want one? Why is it good? Uh, why is it good for the technician? How does it help them? And of course, then it's okay. And why is it good for the company? If, if people embrace that, they'll tend to do it more, first of all. Um, now, I do have a four-part framework that's really innovative that crushes club memberships. Uh, I've never missed a contest where clubs was up for grabs, and I ran that program. I'll never miss. Yeah. Uh, so you do plant the seed at the front door. You need to ask them early on right when you get there. So are you a member of our club? Maybe you have a special name for it, whatever you call it. Betty, are you a member of our XYZ service club? If Betty says, no, I'm not. What's that? Oh, it's a really cool program where we take care of your home every year. I'll tell you more about it before we're done. So just plant that seed on them and move on. One of the mistakes we're making is trying to sell it at the wrong time, talking about it too much. So if you want to sell more, stop selling them so much just plant the seed and then move on and then there's another step while you're evaluating the entire system that uh, i'm going to hold the details of that one back a little bit but that's where you really show them why it's valuable and then of course the other one I'll, i everybody should know immediately and that is put a club membership in every option you write every option i don't i don't have a preference what the price of the option is it doesn't matter if the repair is a discount big enough to pay for the club or not. That has nothing to do with why they buy a club. That's in your own mind because something about your belief in your price and your value of service, you personally, whoever's watching this right now, if you're not offering clubs in every plan and the discount has to pay for it, you aren't building value. I'm going to say that directly because there's no such thing as a price that's too high. There's only value that's too low. So if you're struggling with any prices, you need to figure out why is my value so how do I build that up? This price is never too high for anything. And if you understand that, put a club in every single option you ever write. Just start doing it. And that alone will get you more clubs. They could say, no, I don't want it. But if you did step one and step two properly, they're going to want it. So put it in every option. And then the last step is just to be very fluent in how you act. Um, you got to have the right terminology, Betty. I've included a club in all your options. Great. And then at the very end, how do you want to activate your club? And so you got to be very good at your process, whether it's a check or a credit card or however you do it, be good at it and good at talking about it. There's a couple of objections we teach you in, in our advanced classes to handle that. I don't want it billed monthly on my cards. Nonsense. Uh, then you say, oh, so did you want me to turn off your Amazon, your Netflix, and everything else too? No, you don't say that, but they have subscriptions. You know, they, they don't mind. They just want to make sure they're getting value. With um, but you follow those four steps and believe in it, you'll have so many club memberships. It'll be pretty awesome. And it's, you know, when we hear so many members that are dealing with slower times now, club members are where it's at. That's 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 will keep your, your guys busy, keep the lights on, keep it profitable. So... Make that a priority if you're not doing it. Um, you set the stage that you set the stage beautifully with talking about options. 
So I got I got a slide there. Um, where what's your thought process on building up? Where do you do it? I know so many people still love to go to the truck. You know, I'm gonna go see sit in my truck and write down what. You know, how do you how do you coach people and how to? Well, first of all, if they're watching this and they need help with options, I would write this down. Three options is my only option. Or at least three options is my only option. Just commit. I don't care what I'm looking at. I'm going to find three ways to do it. You don't need a big old panel and a bunch of stuff to create options. You need to just think about different ways you can do it. So commit to three options is my only option. And then ask yourself, how do I make this awesome? <laughs> Just make the thing awesome and you can come up with some ways. But in my opinion, three is the minimum. Five or six is probably the maximum if you've done the, the work inside the home to identify those things. Uh, I don't know specifically what you'd like me to share, if, Bob, about options. Uh, there's a lot of cool, very... Um, advanced ways to personalize them and customize them to the people and to the solution. I recommend finding ways to do that. Uh, I'm a huge believer in showing one price per option. So if you're itemizing pricing, this is this this is where people start to go, what in class? Because there's all so many people doing so many things using technology, using paper. I don't care how you present it. You could do it on a napkin if you really want. Because the, the sale is not earned at the options table. They don't, you don't earn it because your options are so magical. You earned it because of everything you did before that moment in the service. But how you structure them just can be very um, appealing and easier to understand. And you could have a $10,000 job where they wanted everything as you talked about it. But when you started showing them that this is 900 and this is 1300 and this is 250 and they start wondering, why is that that much? I could get that at that place or that store. So instead of itemized pricing, that sounds like cha-ching, 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 ching Just add it all up and put one price at the bottom. Always, always show the monthly investment. you got to give them a payment. Um, and when you do that, don't put your own personal belief system about any of financing or any of that stuff into your decision to show them because... About 17 out of 100 people don't, can't even pay for a repair. They don't even have a thousand bucks to pull out of their pocket to fix anything. So we have to offer a, a, an easy way for them to afford the solution. So if you're going to offer financing, pro tip is whatever your longest term loan is, if you have a long term, say 10 year loan, that's going to produce the smallest payment. I'm sure you know that. So use that as the number you write on your option, whatever the smallest possible payment is. Even if you have 12 months interest free, that's fine. When you present, use the long term to show a small pin. And then if they want the financing, then you can go ahead and explain all the different products and choices and terms that you offer and let them pick one. But it sure is easier to say yes to 50 or $150 a month than 1200 or 1000 a month or something like that. You, you hit on the first issue with options. Make sure you do them all the time. Because I'm always amazed by people that go, well, my guys were doing them for a while, then we kind of kind of stopped. And I'm like, how does that happen? How do you allow that to happen? Well, the other thing also is I hear more and more is I've got guys that just are kind of home run hitters, right? They're either they're swinging for the fences every time. They're either hitting the grand slam or they're striking out. Because their option, their top option is for $30,000. The middle option's for $0.47. Cents, and then the service fee will <laughs> 
So how do we uh, how do we keep people from how do you kind of dream without giving all the cookies away, right? How do you teach people to build smart options? Are all you know? It's not that gigantic home run swing or nothing. How do you kind of coach people to work through that mess? Well, I I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but everything comes back to mindset. And w what I used to do is what I, someone taught me. I, I probably shouldn't even say this on the channel. Sometimes we want the biggest one. That's what we want. We want the big one. We want the big. We want the. But when you adopt this mindset of I only give great options, they're all great, and I'm happy with whatever you choose today, and you truly adopt that mindset, you'll stop writing one really big dream option that you hope they buy and a couple of smaller junky ones that you hope pick don't buy. You'll actually find a way to customize different solutions. They're all different in the sense of what's included. Some have more, some don't. Some have better items or guarantees than others. But Betty, whatever you choose today is a good option. I'm happy to do it today. When you start thinking like that, you'll make your middle two options, your bottom options, they'll start becoming better options. So that's the first thing right there is always design great options. And then if you do have a 30,000 on top, make it okay for them to say no. Like Betty, I don't know if this option's for you or not, but we, talk, we talked about it, so I included it. You don't have to do it. These are great too. Whatever one you want is fine with me. They'll actually buy bigger options because they don't feel like you're pushing them into it. Uh, so that's a big part of it for me. And the other part is if your goal is truly to serve Betty and not make a big fat paycheck, you're, that's why you're there to help her and serve her, then your middle options will reflect that also. And they'll be more attractive, which means instead of getting the big no, <laughs> you're going to get a bunch of middle yeses. And all, all over the page, a lot more yeses because not everyone's going to do the big one and you don't have to go home discouraged because they didn't do it, which makes you swing for the fences harder next time because you feel like you got to make it up. So there's a lot of philosophy and options. And then there's a lot of technical skills of how to write them. But those couple nuggets I think I gave will help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there's, you know, there's all sorts of. Right, but I I, won't, I don't want to go through them all. But maybe let's get let's talk about one of them. Um, how do you handle uh, that person's like, boy, I just think I, I a lot more than I expected. Maybe I called you out to paint the ceiling fan, and all of a sudden you found out Federal Pacific panel, right? And maybe there's a couple other really significant safety issues, and I'm broke, and uh, this is all scary to me. And uh, you sound like a nice guy, Aaron, you know. But I'm just, so how do you how do you coach? electricians to understand, you know, sympathize with that client and kind of work with them in handling that objection. What was the uh, the primary objection? I don't have the money or I need to think about it now because I'm surprised. Well, it's just, yeah, I, th I think I'm just going to get another bid. This is a lot of good. And I always, and I always learned, you know, my dad always said, it's like, boy, you get a big investment like this. I probably should get a couple other bids, you know, because I just thought this was going to be a couple hundred dollar fix, right? And all of a sudden we're staring at the $30,000. Because you do have some significant safeties. Yeah, how do you handle that? I want another. Okay. So in the scenario of I thought it was going to be something else, and now I'm surprised with all this safety, I better get bids. Uh, that one's a little different than the typical, I'm getting three bids right out the gate because they planned on doing a power or something. That's slightly different methodology. Yeah. Um, and I believe that you should 
find ways to ask questions long before you get to that presentation phase, especially before they see a price. And what questions can we ask throughout the call to discover if potential objections exist? So you can be asking questions like, who else works on your system? Has anybody else told you this before? Uh, how long do you plan on keeping the home? You, you start figuring out um, by testing them about smoke alarms and GFI. You start getting a sense if they even care about safety or not. So you got to get to know the, the buzzwords for the client, but then you need to understand what potential objections could come at you. When, the, when it comes to, I just wanted a ceiling fan and now it's 20 grand, what? If you're struggling with that a lot, I recommend learning to get what you aim for. So how can we get that ceiling fan sold and started? At least we're going to solve her problem, get her fan up. I'm not going to be discouraged leaving with nothing. And there's something magical about when you're doing a first item or two, the next level of trust and relationship you can build along the way. Um, so a lot of that helps eliminate the need for bids because you have earned so much trust and respect and educated things in a way that they just trust you all a lot more. And that eliminates the three bids more than anything is that working with them and building a lot of trust in advance. But if that three bid still pops up, the very with any objection that just pops up, the thing you need to do is be understanding of that because we're so trained or we think we need to pounce on it with, yeah, but here's my value and I do have the warranties and does that other guy have a permit? I don't know if, if you can even trust them and we're great. You know, all that stuff's true, but if you just start throwing that at an objection, it seems defensive, it seems argumentative. Um, so be like, I understand, Betty. I, it makes sense. This is a surprise and it's a significant investment and these things never show up at the best possible time. Well, I get it. Um, and when it comes to having other people come out here, you can certainly do that. And then let me share with you how we arrive at our pricing. Let me share with you why this is important. And then if you can touch on four critical components of the system or the buyer's mind, the process, and you can touch on all four of those things, they'll start saying yes to you. Betty, is it my company? Do you trust the guarantees I've shown you? Or are you concerned about our reviews, if they're authentic or not? Say, no, no, your reviews seem great. I believe you. Yeah, you guys seem awesome. Okay, well, is it the, the solution? Is there something here that I didn't explain well or you don't think you need? Uh, so you kind of narrow down the solution. Oh, it makes a lot of sense to me. I, I could see why that's important. All right, Betty, well, is it a timing thing? Is, is, is now just not a good time or you'd rather do it on a different day? Well, no, I, I'd really like to get it done. Then you say, well, well, Betty, is it me? Did I let you down? Uh, is it me personally? Because I, I want to do better. I could have another tech come out here. No, no, you're great too. All that's left is price. So, so Betty, if it's not those things, is it the price? And she might say, yes. And I'll say, well, is it the total amount or is it the monthly investment? What? Well, could this fit your budget? So you just start breaking all those things down. And if Sherry says she loves everything about you, when you isolate it to price, then you just have to show her how to own it, how to afford it. And if you've been uh, empathetic instead of defensive, that that's the best way I've found to handle. Surprise, I need bids because they didn't need or want bids. They need to understand all those other four things. And when they do, the price doesn't really matter. It's just, can they make? I love that you're, when you talked about earlier, you said, let's at least win what we got called out for. Let's at least get the ceiling fan. Because while you're in there, and, I, and I've and i learned this in talking to our HVAC friends, 
you know, they might have had some notion of what this is going to be. All of a sudden, way higher, and they're just they kind of lose their breath a little bit, right? They're shocked. So if you can stay, like a lot of our HVAC people will just go, you know what, I've got a few things I need to check on, measure, look at, and they give the people like 10, 15 minutes just to collect themselves and think about it. And in your case, I'm going to work on and do the best job I can, ceiling fan, and all of a sudden they're interacting with you. They see how professional you are, and they go, you know what, I can afford $30. This guy does a great job. He's, all that makes sense. I just, you know, you just the, the wheels are turning so fast. I think people just need it. I think that's a great that's a great nugget. Everyone should. Good stuff, Eric. Uh, I just want to kind of, yeah, I want to wrap up in respect to your time. This has been a lot of fun. Um, how, talk about just training in general and what people should, yeah, to go to class, right? Go to service essentials, go to electricians. And, but it, do, it shouldn't end there, right? Training should not be a wham, bam, once a year, once a quarter thing. Talk about your philosophy, how valuable it is. Well, if training was a one and done kind of thing, then my kids would keep their rooms clean all year long because I told them to do it once and showed them how. <laughs> yeah. Right. It doesn't work yeah. like that. That hits hard, Aaron. That hits hard. I know that one. Yeah. Oh, I didn't mean you personally. I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, but training is an ongoing thing. I, I say to develop a training culture or a, co a coaching culture, just make it part of your rhythm, your routine. And when they do come to our advanced class, they actually leave with three priorities. They're going to have a whole list of action items because we talk about self-reflection. They're going to be capturing ideas of things they want to train on that will move the needle for them and the business. And so in the meeting when they come home, help them. They're going to vote on their own personal three. They're picking their training initiative. So they bought into it. So just know that's happening when they came to my class. Um, but training needs to happen regularly. And I'd say weekly, unless you have a big initiative to really change. But I, I think you need to be training on the soft skills, these customer service communication skills once a week. And when you do that, break the topic down into a little tiny bite-sized piece. Um, we, we often try to train on the whole service call in an hour. Role-playing, <laughs> yeah, that, that just doesn't work. So pick a little piece of it, a little piece of the service call or a little skill inside of the service call like, how do I get them concerned in a healthy way to avoid risk? You can learn those skills in a 45-minute session and then watch how it impacts the numbers and things. So training has to be a commitment, first of all, with an intentional topic that is easy to learn in a small period of time. Um, I, don't, I don't think you should just ever hope they got it. Um, if you really want training to work, then look for the Look for the people that are doing the skills properly and invite them to come help the others learn it. Um, don't just put a bunch of people in a room because it's training day. Be smart about what are you learning, who's learning, and who could be helping teach. Um, but that's a, whew, that's a big value add right there for your organization. All right, last question. For the electricians that are watching, any final words of wisdom or advice you might give them to help them be more successful? Yeah believe that you are worth it we you know my electrical career was a plan b because i was going to two places that were, neither one of them were good so we often think that we have less value or we are not worth it we're electricians we're not sales well when you really understand that you're a consultant and you're if you're in our niche if you're one of our clients you're already on a high level of elite 
quality person. You, you're way up there on professionalism, just if you're even in our network. So you're so much more than just an electrician and believe in your own value and believe that if this guy with a GED who was going to the graveyard or jail can learn these communication skills and change his life and change his family, you guys can do it too. So when you see people on your team doing well, never compare yourself to them like they're better. You can't. What you should do is say, it's not competition, it's opportunity. Because if they can do it, you can do it. And I just wish that anybody that comes to my class goes home believing in their own value and that they can do it too. If you do that, you'll take the next step forward. And uh, I just tell people all the time, you're worth every penny you charge. So if you want to give a bunch of stuff away and lose, lose money and charge real cheap, you're devaluing yourself. You're worth that cheap number. But you're so much more than that. So believe in the value of who you are as a person. And price will never be too high eventually. You'll learn to build that value up because it's never the price is too high. It's the value is too low. I believe in you guys. I wouldn't be here right now. So go out there and make a difference in Betty's life and you'll be able to change your family tree. Great stuff, Aaron. I really enjoyed this hour. Thank you so much for all your time and uh, keep crushing it out there. Thanks. I'm so glad to be here, Bob. I really enjoy and love what I do. So thank you for giving me an opportunity to share the lessons. Have a great rest of your day, buddy. See you, bud. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. If so, please like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're on your favorite podcast player, please leave us a five-star review. The two seconds you take to leave a review will help other success-minded contractors like you find us and hopefully get a little bit better, which elevates our entire industry. And please join me for future episodes. This has been The Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath. Support for this podcast comes from Synchrony. Ever wonder how to calculate your true cost of financing and how to fit the price of financing into your business and pricing for products and services? In Synchrony's new and improved toolbox website, you can easily calculate your cost of credit, view educational videos, and learn more about Synchrony's digital tools. Simply go to toolbox.syf.com to explore and learn more. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the Certain Path family. Certain Path builds successful home service businesses and has for 23 years. We do it by providing contractors with a proven path to success, professional coaching, software solutions, and a member community of over 1,000 contractors just like you. Doubling your sales with a 20% net profit and an inspiring company culture is all possible. Let us show you the way. With CertainPath, success is made certain. Visit www.mycertainpath.com for more information.